Welcome to the Northwestern Masters of the Arts and Sports Administration Revenue Above Replacement Podcast. I'm Bryce Clinton, and on this week's show, I have a conversation with Mike Schroeder. Mike is a certified athletic trainer and also the manager of athletic services at Athletico. Mike did his undergraduate work at Purdue University, where he and I met nearly 20 years ago, and he also received a master's degree in athletic training from Michigan State. We're really fortunate to have Mike on the podcast, and he and I discuss athletic training as a whole and what the profession entails, his career journey, current trends in the sports and healthcare industries, and where those intersect. And Mike gives some really great advice for those with career interest in the sports industry, coming from someone who's had a really interesting path throughout that industry. Mike is an amazing resource with a deep understanding of multiple facets of sports and sports business. So we hope that everyone enjoys this wide-ranging conversation with Mike Schroeder. Welcome to the Northwestern Masters of the Arts and Sports Administration Revenue Above Replacement Podcast. I'm Bryce Clinton. And today I'm really excited to be joined by Mike Schroeder. Mike is a certified athletic trainer and manager of athletic services for athletical physical therapy. Interesting enough, part of the reason for the, the excitement is Mike and I have, have known each other for nearly 20 years, which we'll, we'll get into. But Mike, thank you for, for taking the time to, to join us today. Absolutely. And it's, it's my honor to be here. Thanks, Brad. So, Mike, as you mentioned, you know, we've known each other for a long time and you've had a really interesting path from, from in the sports world. And in that athletic training world, from starting an undergrad, right, an undergrad through graduate school, and then with the roles that you've had, can you give the listeners a little bit of the background on on all the things that you've done and sort of how it took you to the, the place that you are today? Yeah, yeah. So the, the life story starting with with undergrad. So yeah, we, you and I met each other 20 years ago as, as undergrad students and, and fraternity brothers at Purdue University. Um, I, I went to Purdue not to be to get an athletic training degree, but actually to go like many people as, as an engineer. Um, in West Lafayette, and I, I learned pretty quickly when I got, well, let me take a step back. I didn't know what to major in because I didn't have really a vision. This is when I talk to, talk to high school students these days about where they're going to go to college, where they're going to major. I'm like, follow your, you know, there is something to follow in your passion because back then I knew that I loved sports. I loved athletics, competing in them, being around them, but I didn't know there was about careers in athletics. So I went to Purdue. You know, I was pretty good at physics and math in high school. I went to Purdue to be an engineer and, and realized very quickly that this was not the program for me. Um, and I, uh, I knew I liked going to school there a lot. I didn't want to transfer, but I, in order to stay there, I, you know, I was, I was going to have to focus on an area of study. So um, dating myself a little bit, I went to the, the Center for Career Development out of Purdue and they, they gave me an old like old school Scantron aptitude test that was like 250 questions of like, I like being going to a baseball game. I like, uh, you know, whatever, do, doing math equations for fun, things like that. And, and, and interestingly, what that thing spit out was athletic trainer. So basically compare which how you answer to the, to the uh, areas of study that had, they had at Purdue at the time. Um, and the representative from the, from the career center was like, have you ever thought about athletic training? And I'm like, well, I, I've thought about it in that uh, there, was, there was an athletic trainer that would pop by by the high school I attended, uh, which is very small in suburban Chicago, and, and kind of checking on injuries. But I, I didn't realize it was a full-time job. I thought, honestly, I just thought it was something this guy just did his, in his free time to be around athletics. So uh, I, uh, from that, I just kind of took it and ran with it. 
um, and, and got my got my undergraduate degree in athletic training from Purdue. Um, during which I had two really lucky to have two summer internships with the New York Football Giants and, and get exposed to to uh, athletic training at a professional level. In addition to what I was seeing from Division One in, in high school at Division Three levels through the Purdue curriculum. Um, so I uh, graduated from Purdue. I uh, went out and then did a, a year-long internship with the New York Giants. Um, and from there, uh, it was suggested that uh, that I go to graduate school, uh, which I did at Michigan State. So I, I did a two-year graduate program at, at MSU. Uh, and while in that program, was a was a graduate assistant athletic trainer for uh, the MSU football and wrestling teams, really rewarding experience. Another look at, um, you know, the, the variety and the differences between, between sports medicine programs, between just even universities in the same conference. It was, it was, there was a lot of similarities, but there was a lot of aspects of it that was night and day, um, as well as just the, the athletic departments themselves. And so that, that there was a lot of value in that. Um, so, uh, yeah, got my master's at MSU and then got out in the world and cut my teeth. In, uh, in minor professional hockey for a few years before uh, coming back home to Chicagoland and, and finding a finding a spot with Atletico, uh, where I've been for 10 years this August. So doing things now that I never expected is uh, primary as a manager, uh, but also still certified and licensed and, and out in the field and, and uh, presently helping out uh, at one of our at one of our partner high schools, which is which has been awesome to be back in. So that's. Okay, a long-winded answer to a, to a short question, but that's kind of the the live the professional life story to date. And I think it's what's interesting about that is that you know people that work in the sports industry they it, they do tend to take those mining paths, right? And, and what you know, one thing from the program perspective, one thing we always try to get across to students is a story like you had of how do I dig into this and what do I really want to do and to find that aptitude. And it's really interesting that. It's, spat out athletic training you mentioned sort of sports medicine the sports medicine programs being different at msu and, and at purdue and i guess from my own edification and, and the listeners too what does athletic training entail what is what does that actually yeah. mean yeah good question the definition of athletic training um so athletic trainers are are certified and licensed healthcare professionals uh, that specialize in basically specialize in the, in the injury prevention and injury care of athletes. Um, now, the definition the definition of athlete is a very broad one um, because I, I think what comes to mind is the sports we know: soccer, football, rugby, hockey, baseball. But in this is something I've learned at time just from working with athletico and physical therapy. Think about uh, we call them the industrial athlete. Um, you know the, the the workers out in the community, uh, police, fire, military, manufacturing that are getting orthopedic injuries the same way that you know maybe a, maybe a tennis player, or baseball player is having elbow or shoulder progress uh, problems. Someone that that's working in an overhead capacity has it all the time too. So um, yeah, athletic training is uh, you, you do need to sit for a, a national certification exam with the culmination of, a, of an accredited education. Um, and then go out in the field. But I mean, the primary focus of athletic training is to work in conjunction with, under the, under the guidance of, in conjunction with licensed physicians in focusing on not only injury prevention, but also in the, in the unlucky event that injuries do occur, the treatment and rehabilitation and return to play of those injured athletes. No, it's interesting. And, and you know, you always have a macro level concept of what that means, right? You see the people, 
like you said, in high school, you knew the person that came. I, I had the same experience to the person that came and helped. I think in my high school was somebody that was just like, they pulled them off the street because I grew up in a small town, but the, you see the people <laughs> in professional sports run onto the field and, and so on, but it's good to have a macro level concept of it. I guess the question that it leads to is how is that different? You have a really interesting experience from the professional level, right? With, with the giants, down to hockey from a professional minor league level in university settings. How do those, all of those things differ? Meaning, you know, is athletic training different at the NFL level versus the minor league hockey level versus the college level versus what you're doing today? Yes. Um, and this, this could be a totally, totally separate conversation. And I, I think it's the, the response is really multifactorial. And I, I think at the end of the day, you know, the injuries are, if, if, if an AC, the, the treatment of a torn ACL in an NFL player immediately in a, in a high school athlete or a, or a weekend warrior is, is pretty similar. Is it really triage and assessment and determining what's going on and, and, and uh, diagnosing the injury and taking it from there? I think the difference is, I mean, obviously our financial, when you look at the NFL, NBA, NHL, um, just the, the amount of resources they have because it's in those leagues is, is staggering. And, um, but also you think about, um, you know, uh, players, players contracts with the organization, collective bargaining agreements. I mean, you, you cannot afford to take any, uh, risk in not being a hundred percent accurate or, or getting as close to diagnosis and treatment as you can. Uh, not to say that you take those flyers at say a high school level, but I think if you know if um, you know I'll use I'll use the example of a hamstring strain. That's something that you'd assess and probably get into physical therapy as soon as you could at a high school level, right? Start with PT, get back to play as soon and safely as possible. Um, you know that injury when I was around the NFL, that's that's going to right into MRI just to confirm it. It's documented. We used all the at that time all the uh, the technology we could to, to diagnosis and communicate this and, and take it from there so um yes there's differences but it's, i think it's a lot more from the standpoint of logistics and operationally than it is about you know kind of email and diagnosis it's interesting that, that you bring that up around the collective bargaining and contracts and all those things which leads me I, in some interesting way and this again could be his own separate side conversation but you know we think about football across soccer i believe you're this is big thinking back here, but I believe your graduate work was around heading soccer balls and the impact on, on head injuries in, in soccer, even specifically women's yeah. soccer, I think. That question sort of leads to the head injuries and in, in we see the prevalence of that in sports and the focus of it with the, the, the NFL and the NHL you know, as well. We see it in other sports. How have you seen that sort of change over your, the course of your career? But also, you know, you have an interesting lens from the different levels, right? How is that sort of addressed at the different levels as well? Yeah. Uh, for me, in the, what, 15 years I've been certified, the, the biggest thing is the acceptance of concussion treatments by coaches and uh, in a, at, a, at a lower level parents because – the, the, the one of the one of the challenges with concussions is you can't look on enemy imaging like you would for a broken bone or an X-ray or an MRI and say, hey, there's the injury right there. Um, now we know uh, years and years and years of research about symptoms and how they present and neuro, you know, neuropsychology scores, et cetera. Um, 
we as a, I mean, the medical community, we've gotten way better at, at treating these. But I think the biggest the biggest shift I've noticed in its grace is um, education and understanding of the the importance of care for for head injuries and concussions. And that's been through formal formal education. I'll use you know the IHSA example. Coaches go through formal training on what a concussion is, how how they occur, how they should be treated, how they should be assessed. Whereas, um, you know, years ago, I'd, I'd walk in after after assessing something, meeting with the physicians, and tell the coaches, "Hey, so and so is you know we've, we've diagnosed with a concussion. Uh, he or she's going to enter this protocol, but here's the plan." Uh, there was always always just a bit of an eye roll and like you guys need concussions. You know, when I, when I was playing, we played with concussions. You just got your bell rung. That I haven't I haven't experienced anything like that in years. And I think um, I'm seeing coaches now that are that are referring athletes our way for just just under suspicion. And it's something like you know, to, uh, I'll use the example of uh, maybe a high school basketball player who who takes a charge and bumps her head on the floor. Coaches are sending them right in these days, you know. In, in, in the, the the athlete comes in and says, "Hey, you know, just I just bumped my head. I'm fine. But we'll still go through a full battery test just to make sure that is that is the case." So, um, and, and frankly, I can think of, you know, the the high school participant. I'm not going to say athlete, the sports participant I was in high school. Multiple examples of, of returning to play with concussion symptoms just because we didn't i didn't know i mean it was the, the late 90s and the, the education wasn't out there it certainly wasn't in the media um the research wasn't there it you know now you make a tackle in football and you come up with your you know little out of the days with your ears ringing i i just kept going because i didn't know it and didn't know any better um but that right away these days we're looking for things like that you know pretty much pretty much all the time yeah, you make a good point around, you know, I had the same experience as a sports participant as a young person, but I think that evolution is really good because it keeps, you know, there's a, a lot of worry and concern about, especially at the youth sports level, of kids being able to participate in sports because of those things. You know, in your experience, you said those things are continuing to evolve. Do you see them continuing to evolve and getting better, whether that's from a training perspective, equipment, noti- notification, yeah. or understanding? Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean the equipment that the the evolution of equipment, especially in American football, is, has been really impressive. And you know, you see again, no helmet is concussion proof, right? But just to see what what some of the companies are putting out now in the industry, not only for for concussion prevention, head injury prevention, but how they're tracking. Like there's sensors and helmets now uh, that are tracking the the, the physics of impact. And, and, and how, you know, can we, can we get some, some baselines and some, well, more baselines, I should say, because they're, they're established, but how, how specific can we get with our, with our data and our research on, on prevention and, and, um, and treatment and just, just general knowledge on the topic too. And I think from a rehabilitative standpoint, that's come a long way too of that, um, you know, years ago was athletes sustained concussion, put athlete in a dark room and, don't feed him or her, or, you know, no, no music, no books, no light, no anything. And then you realize how like that psychosocial effect that was having on people. So that's, we've kind of gone away with that. But I think even, you know, someone now with longstanding symptoms, I mean, we've got head athletic coaches, just a separate, uh, not a service line, but just, just a, a, a treatment passion, I guess I would say, in vestibular therapy for, for athletes who, and it's not just concussions, but athletes who have sustaining, you know, balance symptoms or, or, you know, eye tracking issues, secondary to head injuries that we could treat through physical therapy that, that 
I didn't know about when I got into this a long time ago. And I'm not sure if anybody did, but I certainly didn't, you know. It's an interesting thing that you bring up me being someone who spends his day job in technology and teaches a course on technology. It seems that there's been a ton of advancements in the sports world, obviously, and they can be seen across the board. But just from hearing you know, what you said, the advancements from a technology perspective, understanding, tracking, and those things have, have come leaps and bounds. It, has that been the case that you've experienced and you see that continuing to evolve? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. you've seen in the rules too. I mean, I, the big one I think is the targeting penalties in, in sports like American football. But I think, um, you know, in youth hockey, the HFA checking has gotten older because um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the younger athletes, the smaller boys and girls, they just don't have body control yet. Now you're going to go out there and tell them to essentially run each other, run into each other, and into the boards. Um, you know, the the when when soccer youth soccer is exposed to to headers how many headers per game, per practice. And there's, there's controls that can be set on this too. And I think, you know, it's interesting to me to watch collegiate and NFL football when there's, there's always a conversation when the targeting calls. Like, oh, I don't know. You know. They're moving pretty fast out there. They are. But like the fact is, I mean, it's, here's what happened. I mean, that was a day this, this person couldn't control himself. They couldn't defend himself. And this happened. I mean, I, I know, I, I hope you didn't mean it, but the fact is it happened and you're going to sit down through that, you know? So it's, yeah. It's the, the evolution of it is uh, it's interesting. I think it's encouraging, and I would con- you know I would I think it stands the reason I'm going to continue. Yeah, yeah, it's tough to legislate intent on those things, right? And like you said, the regards of intent that did happen. I think it goes back to think back to how you were taught to tackle as a kid, in some of those evolutions and targeting being a penalty now, right? It it teaches younger players that that's not the way you you go about those things. You know, Mike, it's interesting yeah. is like we talk a lot about the physical therapy piece and there's the multifaceted portion of sort of what you do, right? Certified athletic trainers still being out in the field and doing these things that, that we know, you know from a training perspective. But the other part of that is a manager of athletic training services at, at Athletico. So what does a typical day for, for Mike Schroeder entail with being that manager of athletic training services and sort of the, the wide breadth that you have with that group? Day to day, day to day, yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. So basically, so from from a manager, you know, kind of putting the manager hat on the role is I oversee um, athletic 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 trainers providing outreach athletic training services to to basically the communities where we work and where our clients are located. So uh, this looks like staffing athletic trainers primarily at high schools, clubs, and colleges. Um, and for me, and this is just my region, but specifically uh, western and southwestern suburbs of Chicago, um, it's rewarding. It's awesome to see the involvement that our staff has with the community um, and at their schools and the buy, you know, kind of the, the two-way buy-in, not only of our of Athletico to the community, but the community of Athletico. Um, and I, I think a different a different uh, element is, is for what we're doing is while physical therapy is certain in, it's certainly in the athletico area the athletic trainer scope of practice it comes down to logistics a lot of the time of that if i'm i'll use myself as an example when i'm working in minor league hockey it was it was me and 25 consistent athletes that i'd see every day that were on the roster um so when injury was sustained there was a i would say a pretty good percentage of those athletes that i could treat and rehabilitate you know, on a day-to-day basis. Now, when I'm 
one athletic trainer at a high school and there's 900 kids participating in spring athletics, that's much, I mean, the, you, the, the focus has to be triage and evaluation and, and, and basically referral and that, you know, to the right physician, to the right physical therapist, um, in, in taking a team approach to healthcare because it, you just, it, it really can't be done either way. Cause I mean, if, if I'm putting, if I'm that athletic trainer, I'm putting a full committed hour long physical therapy session in with an athlete on site, I'm, I'm leaving those other 899 athletes who are practicing in the field, gyms, pools, and ranks of, of the school. Um, maybe not with the attention that they should be, should be getting at that time. So it's, um, it's a little unique, but I think it's, it's really the right way to provide healthcare from a team approach and, and getting as many, uh, as many providers involved in as, as possible to, you know, with the best interest of the, the athlete patient in mind. And it's interesting that you bring up the, the phrase healthcare, right? Is that it's, you know, historically thinking back to my high school experience or, or, you know, in the late nineties and those things, oftentimes we didn't think of the athletic, athletic training part as healthcare, but it really is. And what you talk about from a day-to-day basis, it's a very well-oiled machine that is, is wrapped into the larger health and wellness of that student athlete and, and sort of the athletes at large. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think too, it's just, it's, it's a really, one of the cool things about the, the profession and, and the specifically working in secondary schools is the ability to educate, um, you know, with some experience at collegiate levels and professional levels and adult levels, by, by the time athletes get to, to that college level and above, they probably had, they probably had exposure to some kind of strength and conditioning, injury prevention, injury rehab, because maybe they got hurt as they were younger, the nutritional aspects of that. I, a lot of times with high school athletes, that that's their first introduction to that. So, you know, you see the the freshman football player coming in after school, eating a bag of, ch- of chips and drinking a soda. Like that might not be the best thing before you're about to go play football for three hours after school. And then he has what else he ate that day. And he hasn't had anything since some, you know, a sugary cereal at 645 on his way out the door. Um, so that's, I mean, it's, it's very multifaceted and what, as athletic trainers, as healthcare providers, and what we're able to uh, provide and educate to the, to the community. Yeah, it is interesting, right? I mean, the, the, the whole sort of holistic view of, of what's involved in that. I think it, it kind of leads me to the thing, you know, you work with high school athletes and, and athletes at a, at a, at a youth and, and continuing, you know, evolutionary level. What Are there things that you see from an injury? And this is more of a personal, like, just kind of interesting. Is there things that you see from an injury perspective that happen commonly? What are the most common things that come up? Uh, at the high school level, uh, you know, I think without having any data in front of me, um, well, I don't know, ankle sprains, um, non-contact knee injuries, um, a lot of, I mean, honestly, a lot of it's the bumps and bruises of just day-to-day participation in athletics, um, you know, I think for, for some of the older, meaning like the varsity level athletes who, especially if they're participating in club sports outside of the, the high school setting and they're getting a, a lot more exposure, a lot more exercise. You talk about uh, hip and low back, kind of overuse injuries. And it depends on the sport too. You know, you'll see a lot more overuse and shoulder injuries and elbow injuries and maybe a tennis player who serves, serves the ball a lot or a baseball pitcher than maybe you're seeing, um, in, a, in a, a running back in football, which is not doing that much overhead repetitive stuff. So there's consistencies for the sport for, for sure. And I think, you know, a major part of that is what can be done to prevent. I, I think, you know, it's funny, the, the biggest 
one of the biggest differences between youth athletics and collegiate professionals is the amount of time committed to warming up and preparing for physical activity. Um, you know, and I would work in hockey and at that level, you know, the, the coaches weren't needed to tell, tell the athletes to warm up. They knew what they had to do, but you know, sometimes an hour before a game players would start working up to get that. I mean, these, these players would have a very high level of sweat. Like it was a good workout. They got it before they even went out on the ice. Um, whereas I, I think the majority of the population equates their own it, it, athletics to their own high school experience where you kind of showed up halfway before uh, the event started, you changed into your uniform, you did some quick, you know, maybe a quick touch your toes a couple times and went out and played basketball. That's a that's a totally different level of warm up and, and dynamic exercise in in preparation for for the actual event that I see at, at collegiate levels and above. That's it. That's what kind of why I asked the question, right? The reason being, in thinking my own experience, but what you said about is athletes are getting much better at understanding injury prevention, right? You think about you know, I ran this morning and did a, a little light stretch, but then part of it was time that I had, you know, available to do that, but then went for a run. It wasn't a huge warm up in that. But you mentioned that injury prevention, you know, there's a the treatment part of it. This is what most of us think about when we think about the training part of it. But the prevention, you've mentioned many times, I think it's really interesting that it, what is really the balance of that for you of helping you know, athletes understand prevention and then them picking it up and run with it versus the treatment and are those athletes getting better at the prevention overall? Yeah. I, the answer to that is, is a joke. It's yes. Right. Of mm -hmm. like, you, you don't wish, well, you shouldn't wish injury or illness on anyone. Uh, you know, you really hope it doesn't occur. Um, we are there, you know, as, as athletic, athletic trainers, as physical therapists, when injuries occur, that's, that's what we're there for. That's what we're there to help and assist. Um, and rehabilitate but at the end of the day wouldn't you rather just not get hurt in the first place um, and, and I think that from a, like a community standpoint I think that's a big deal is, is injury prevention I think from when you get up to professional levels then you then you start throwing the finances into it too is like these athletes are being paid large contracts to participate you know and if if um, if they're not unable to because of because of injury there's a cost to that you know um, both can both contraction to the athlete, but also just from a from the standpoint of care. So, um, again, that's why there, there's no I left undotted or T left uncrossed when you get up to those levels. And and um, you know, I, I think the organizations involved in those leagues are in a position that they could um, support support that healthcare, you know, financially. So. So, you know, Mike, we've talked a lot about your relationship with high school sports and how you do, you know, you cover that Western and, and Southern portion of the Chicago land area. But me as somebody that lives here in Chicago, I see the athletical name and brand all over the place. And I'm obviously not a high school athlete and, and don't spend a lot of time in high schools. Does Athletico and the, and the services you provide extend further than, than those relationships? We have. And by way of Athletico's uh, partnerships and as part of those partnerships are physical therapists and athletic trainers and massage therapists uh, over our, our almost 30 year history have had the opportunity to uh, get involved with uh, major professional sports professional basketball professional baseball uh, professional football international rugby international soccer and this is just naming a few uh, which one have been great experiences, but also is a, a really, really nice opportunity to have 
uh, an active brand presence where you know a, a lot of the time as an official provider of a good or service um, there may be stadium signage there may be some announcements but actually be in at the ground level providing care with the actual participants is is it you know that's next level and it's uh i, I think it's a testament to the work that that our company does and continues to do and we're a long we're a long way from the cigarette smoking in, in locker rooms at halftime or right or those types of things right. I, I, in truth right. those things are funny and they're fun to, to hear the stories about and, and some are amazing but i think it, it goes a long way to back to the services that that you provide as an athletic, athletic trainer or as that athletical provides the importance on those has been amplified so much because of the longevity of it and the careers and so on i think it's really important in, in an athletic perspective, it, and it's something that could be useful to trickle down to the general population in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you talk about smoking cigarettes during breaks. I just, I, it's not, there's so much, there's cultural considerations too, um, to, to sports medicine. And I, and I say that I just, I just recently read a book about um, an NBA franchise that had, well, part of this book is anyway, they, they, they signed a player from Europe who, was a smoker like didn't just smoke from time to time or socially like smoke multiple packs of cigarettes a day and the athletic training staff and team physician sat down with this athlete and the general manager had to have like a hard like conversation with this guy about like you gotta stop smoking man and the player like didn't get it at all because he just he was i mean it's just what he was used to you know um but it's, it's again the things you don't think about uh when you're when you're coming up as a, as a young athletic trainer in school that Am I really going to have to have a hard talk with a professional athlete not to smoke cigarettes in the 20th century? <laughs> like that's still, that's, that still could happen, you know? It's, it's true. I think the, the, the credit to it, and I think that your work and, and the things that, that Athletico does and, and even just the athletes themselves, those conversations are much few, fewer and farther between these days, which I think is, is probably a good thing. You know, you yeah. mentioned, though, you do so much of the medical piece and maybe this is a personal question for, for, for you is that like, there's so much focus on the, the health and wellness, the, the preparedness, the, the response to those types of, of injuries and so on in your, in your work. But Athletico is a, is a business, right? It's a business that yep. you have to, you know, as you mentioned, a great brand presence and so on. And so is there a balance to that? Or I guess for people that are, you know, have that exercise science or athletic training and health and kinesiology background, is that something that's hard to sort of, fold into in, in that business part of it yeah um good, really good question i i think here, here's what i noticed and i could certainly relate to it is when i came to athletico after to that point my entire career had been um with collegiate professional sports okay so there was no i mean revenue generation was not coming from athletic training in those settings and it, it, in our business model our focus is, is getting the patient the community the best health there that they need for their situation. Um, and from an orthopedic and vestibular um, standpoint, a lot of, you know, that's we make our money by way of outpatient physical therapy in our centers. And I, I think that's a when when we hire newer grads. And I will say this: I think education programs are getting better at introducing this to undergrads um, and, and, and entry level master's students, but it's not the responsibility of the accredited education programs in, in the sense to teach the business side of 
sports medicine primarily. Now they may touch on it and maybe part of a management class, but the goal is for, to prepare the students to one, sit for their certification exam, and then two, following that, following passing that exam, to be healthcare providers. Um, and I've, I've heard, you know, over the years, you hear this, that, or the other. Is, you know, I didn't, I, I, I don't think I fit in in a place like Athletico because I'm not a salesperson, or I'm not, you know, I don't have, any, I don't know anything about marketing or things like that. And, and you know, the coaching comes back as well. You know, at the end of the day, sales is just convincing. I mean, you convince your athletes why they they should eat something prior to an event, or why, um, you know, this treatment technique is what they're going to need for this given situation. That's that's sales. Um, you know, are you wearing your your school's logo on your on your attire when you're covering a game? You're marketing for the organization, and I think once once it's put into those, I mean, there's so many sports analogies that I use to to help folks understand what we do from a business side. Um, and I think once it's pitched that way, it's a little bit more understandable. But yeah, it's not that is like the business side of it is not of, of healthcare is not like first and foremost in the education of athletic trainers and, and frankly i mean it's not for pts it's not for physicians and it shouldn't be because they should be providers first right um and the business could you know can and should follow but that's it, it's it's kind of like a it's kind of like a free postgraduate education in a lot of ways i would say yeah and i think that it's a it's a really good way to learn that right and i think that it's a unique set of skills that you provide and and it's cool to see that it's combined with that business aspect of it. You know, one thing you and I talk about a lot and have talked about historically is jobs in sports oftentimes seem very, there's a lot of gloss to them, right? Or people from the outside believe that there's a lot of gloss to them. But you've, with me, you've done a good job of mentioning it. And I know you've mentioned this in the past of you are working when other people are doing some level of enjoyment, right? Because they're covering certain events. Yeah. I think that there's something to that. Yep. Yeah, it, you know what? At the end of the day, you're really working in the entertainment business. You know, and I'll, you know, Chicago Bulls again. There's there's 21,000 people at the game enjoying the game, hopefully, but they're there for, for primarily for recreation. Now, maybe there's you know there's sponsorships, business dinners, things like that that are taking place, but effectively that's a recreational event. The coaches, the athletes, the athletic trainers, the mark, you know, the marketing team, the statisticians, they're all working um, during that. And and you can take that further. I mean. Uh, concessions is that's you know there's there's sports management positions specifically in arena concessions you know those folks are working and then maybe it's you know is it is it 1 p.m on sunday in new york city for an nfl game is it uh you know i think about the high school athletic directors i work with who are there you know till nine o'clock most nights during the week and, and and much of the day saturday um and that's the job and it's it's um it's nights and weekends heavy but that you know, it, that also opens up a, a lot of time during the, the days and the weekdays. That's not, I don't think, focused on very much, you know, so. Yeah, it's a good point. I think that a lot of our listeners are are people that, you know, men and women that are looking to, to go down that path, right, in the sports industry. And I think it's a really good point to bring up around, you know, the, the benefits and the things that you have to weigh inside of those those decisions. You know, Mike, in your in your field, I guess as we continue, you know, how do you see the evolution of of athletic training and the relationships that you have? We talked about, you know, athletes getting better at at understanding some of those things, but how do you see this evolving? Your role, your uh, 
piece with athletes and the training and all those things the next you know, five to 10 years? I think continually to turn over, turn over the stones of the unknown. You know, I, I think front burner topics right now, I think include nutrition, both, both, uh, you know, pre-participation and post-participation from a recovery standpoint. Um, I think, again, product development is huge. Um, I just, I'll go back to football equipment. I just, I'm amazed how, how much it's evolved in even the last, 10 years is, is crazy. And, it, you know, you look at, you look at the helmets that are being worn in the NFL, D1, large high schools right now that they, you know, it looks like some space age, like stuff, but it's not, I mean, there's, there's a, there's, there's very specific design protocols that have been done by very, very smart, you know, engineers and scientists and putting it together. I mean, material specialists. So, um, you know, I, I think, again, I think the biggest, not the biggest focus, a primary focus is injury prevention, and then the, and then just the value of, of a quick and safe rehabilitation, you know, if and when injury occur, and, and just continuing to enhance that. This so is Mike. You talk a lot about the, the evolution of of you know we're continuing technology is getting better, uh, prevention and nutrition and all those things, and a lot of our listeners are you know preparing for their careers or looking to get into the sports industry and those evolutions prevent a lot of opportunities as those, you know, listeners look to get into the sports industry. What are the, the things that, you know, from someone who's been at a really interesting path in the sports industry, what are the things to really look out for to keep their eyes open and to be prepared for? Yeah. Uh, really good question. Really, really good thing to consider. I, I think a lot of times, uh, especially in educational programs, when, you, when you're looking, when, when folks say they want to work in sports, they, what they really mean is they want to work around, they want to be around the athlete. It seems cool. Um, and to a point, I will admit, it is. I think also, though, you have to remember what your role is and keep that front of mind at all times. Um, because I think there's really only, I mean, to be honest with you, there's, there's really only two, maybe three jobs in sports if you're going to take that that definition of it. One would be the athlete, him or herself. Uh, one would be, the other would be a coach. And then I would say athletic trainers, um, strength coaches, also coaches, um, and probably the equipment staff as well. Okay. Beyond that, I mean, if you're, if you're in marketing, you're in marketing, if you're in ticket sales, you're in ticket sales. If you're in corporate sponsorships, you're focused, you're representing the organization and it is an extension of the players. But, um, you know, you know, because it says, you know, you've got a sports logo on your business card. You still have to keep front of mind what your role of the organization is. And I'll, admittedly, you know, if you're an athletic trainer, you are in healthcare for that organization. And there's been times when, I, admittedly, I've been at competitions where I catch myself having to tell myself to, like, listen, you're here to provide medical care. Like, don't get too into like the emotion of what's happening on the ice or on the field because it, it's, it's easy to do. You know, especially at the higher level you're working at. I feel like. Um, and having said that. I'm not discouraging people from liking sports is why they get into sports. If you're able to market that because you know what you're talking about and you pay attention to that, you're just going to be, it's a, it's a personal interest at that point. It's going to be better, but it's just, it's a, it's a, there's a level of separating the professional side from the fan side that has to be, it has to be front of mind at Paramount all the time. Um, I would also, I, I can't overstate the importance of doing internships for folks that are at a student level. And really understanding the nuts and bolts of, of sports from from the ground level, um, 
I would encourage everyone to under, have a very clear understanding with yourself on the why you want to go to graduate school if you're looking for a postgrad degree in, in sports management. Um, I think sometimes folks go to graduate school just to put off, quote unquote, the real world for a few years, which is going to make grad school very difficult for you. I'm, I'm, if you have a why and a goal and a reason to be there, you're going to love graduate school. Um, but if you're just going to go, I would not advise that. Um, and then lastly, I think I think for those, regardless of the the, the, the sub industry within sports, you're, you're you're looking at. I think you have to have an understanding that it's likely that you're going to start somewhere in your career that's not. I don't know. Shall we say televised? Does that help? I mean, I, I think you know, have it as a goal. I, I, the biggest thing is I want to work Division One or pro sports. Okay. Well, you know, it's Division One or pro sports. The, the, you know, pro sports is major cities in the United States that have NFL, NBA, MLB, MLS, you know, organizations. Pro sports is also the minor league baseball team in a barrel world community, you know, that's every, every there's, there's, there's marketing on everything. Cause you're, you're trying to get, get the brand out around the town. So um, I, I will say this too. There's, those are the levels to start in as a, as a young professional and work into um, and really, really cut your teeth and gain experience that way. Yeah, I think it's really good advice, not only for, for the, the students and, and listeners that are looking to you know get into the sports world, but but in general, right? I mean, I think to understand the why around that is a big thing. And so, Mike, it's, it's been a pleasure to have you on. I, I, we appreciate it. I know the listeners appreciate it. And, and thank you very much for all, all your time and insights. For sure, man. If I can just, as we close, just wish everyone a happy National Athletic Training Month. That's a thing. It's March. It's every year. Um, you know, again, you, a lot more can be learned about physical therapy and Athletico at our website, athletico.com, uh, by way of multiple social media sites um, at Athletico PT. Um, and for those who may be interested in a career as an athletic trainer, um, hop on social media. It's at NATA1950. So at NATA and then the number is one nine five zero, which is is the year the organization was founded. Um, but exciting time for our for not only for athletic organization, but also for athletic training as a profession and as, as an industry. Just a, a celebration of the work we do, which I found to be a very very rewarding field. Um, and and I, frankly, I, I don't know that I can see myself doing much else. It's just it's been it's been a great ride, um, and I. I have a lot more in front of me than behind me, I think, too. So hopefully we'll, we'll talk again soon. That's definitely true. And I, I didn't know it was Athletic Training Month, and so I should go out and get a cake to celebrate or something. We'll also make sure that we put all that those <laughs> in for any excuse to get a cake to celebrate. Anything is good. I will uh, We'll make sure we put it, all that information in the show notes for, for everyone to have. Um, but again, Mike, thank you so much for your time and your insights. It's, it's great to catch up, and it's always, always great to talk to you. Yep. Thanks very much. Good to see you. Good to talk and uh, talk to everybody down the road.